Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. Today, we're going to talk about fraud. We've got Sergeant Michael Warren from the Metro Nashville Police Department from the Criminal Investigation Division and the Fraud Pawn Unit. I didn't even know that that existed. Yeah, absolutely. We have six detectives that are assigned to the fraud unit and one assigned to the pawn unit, and we specialize in those types of uh, fraud schemes, scams, anything to deal with uh, financial corruption and financial financial exploitation. What are some of the things that people are dealing with? Well, the general consumer is most most of it's going to be credit card fraud and phishing emails. A lot of people are going to be just responding to ads, and a lot of times, you know, the bad guys will put their fake pages right in the middle of all these ads and such. And so you think you're getting a really good deal on some Bose headphones. You know, that's $100 cheaper than anywhere else. And next thing you know, you're putting in your credit card information to a phishing website and they're compromising your account. And next thing you know, your time is on the phone with banks and credit cards trying to unravel this mess that you've caused by giving the bad guys your credit card information. What do people need to look out for to keep from becoming a victim of phishing? P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. Yes, correct. So phishing just means they're phishing for information. In this instance, they're phishing for a credit card number or They're phishing for email credentials. Um, The biggest thing is to make sure that you're staying on the legitimate site. If you're being redirected off of that site, then you probably just need to close the browser. A lot of browsers are smart now and will advise you when you're being moved off of the actual website. Uh, eBay is a really big one that they'll say, hey, you're leaving our site. We can't protect you when you leave our site. And a lot of the bad guys, that's what they want. They just want to get you off the primary set site so they can get you over to their counterfeit site mm-hmm. where they can just start you know, gathering information from you. I've noticed I've gotten emails recently, and I know that I have friends who've fallen for this because they've said, well, I'm not sure why you sent me that link to mm-hmm. something, but an email that says it's from me. Or somebody on my contact list. But then if I hover over it with the mouse, it's Mm -hmm. not their email address. What is going on there? Well, a lot of times, again, they're just trying to impersonate you. Uh, A lot of people don't take the extra step that you did by hovering over because the the front name can be changed to anything. A lot of... You know, third-party software packages will let you put in what name do you want to appear when you send an email. And so I can put Jimmy Hoffa on there if I want to. But when you hover over it, a lot of times it's going to reveal the actual email identity of that person. But a lot of people don't take the time to hover over and double-check. And they see that it says Grandma Stella, you know, know, and they automatically assume that it's Grandma Stella. Mm -hmm. And they put the trust in that, and they respond. Uh, We see a lot where people will do it with Facebook, and they'll clone someone's Facebook page and identity, and they'll start sending duplicate friend requests. I don't know if you've ever gotten a friend request from somebody that you're already friends with yep. that makes sense. A lot of times that's the bad guy that's trying to duplicate someone's identity. And then they're going to turn around and send a message acting as they're you and say, hey, I found this really great opportunity where I made $10,000 just sitting from the house. And you're going to turn around and end up buying some kind of prepaid gift card and giving them the number off of the back of it. And your money ends up in the middle of Uganda. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get into my friend's accounts, basically. And then scam them somehow. They either get into it or they're just wanting to impersonate you. I don't I don't necessarily have to get into your account. I can clone you. And so when I clone your account and I impersonate you and now these people start accepting these friend requests because some people don't give it a second thought of, well, I think I'm already friends with them. Mm-hmm. And But they just accept it because they think, well, maybe we accidentally got unfriended or they've created a new account. 
and they don't do a little bit of research to find out what's going on here. And that's the reason you'll get that message three or four weeks later. It says, hey, please don't accept that friend request. You know, Facebook is investigating, et cetera, et cetera. By that time, damages are already done normally. So what are they doing with that information? Are they selling it when they get, say, they sent out friend requests that look like they were from me mm-hmm. and got, and my friends accepted? What are the scammers doing with that information? Well, they're they're using your identity to provide, to add confidence to their scam. Oh. I always say with a scam, you need to, you need to have one of two things to happen for someone to be hooked, urgency or fear. Okay, and so the urgency here is the fact of it's a friend and they're telling you about a really good deal that may go away that allowed them to make a lot of money. Now, they've already built a lot of confidence with you because it's probably someone you already trust. And you're like, hey, I literally had one a couple months ago where the lady says I go to church with the person. So I automatically assumed when she sent me a message, she wouldn't lie to me. Why would she tell me that she made five thousand dollars when she didn't? So you're giving the scammers credibility when they clone you. Because this is a personal uh, a personal conversation. They don't think that this is some telemarketer yeah. that they're dealing with, that they automatically, their skeptical skepticism is just on high alert. This is a friend who is saying, I got $5,000. Well, I want my $5,000, you know. And so that greed kicks in, and that's when you fall for, you know, these, these scams that they can walk you through. So you said urgency or fear. What are yes. the fear ones? Well, uh, have you ever heard of the grandparent scam? Uh, yes, I have. But would you explain that? Sure, absolutely. So a lot, they, the big target market for these is obviously elderly, and they'll do some data research. A lot of times they don't find the elderly people online because a lot of those don't have social media. They work backwards from kids, uh, whether they be adult children, all the way down to grand, grandchildren. They'll do some research, and they'll find out a phone number, and they'll contact them, and they'll impersonate. Either the child or the grandchild. Uh, can I stop you right sure. there just for a second? Yeah. So they work backwards by doing what? Go on to social media of one of the kids or grandkids? Yeah. So say they find me, Michael Warren. Okay. And they start looking at my contacts and, and trying to link who is his grandmother, grandfather. You know, you may go, they may go through your timeline and say, happy birthday, grandma, Sue. And so they do a little bit of research. And they find, oh, Sue Warren may be his grandmother. That's not my grandmother. If anybody's <laughs> curious, that's made up. <laughs> so, but the, they do some reverse engineering basically to to gather information. People are constantly sharing vital information on social media that can not only help them use do scams like these, but a lot of times compromise your accounts. Uh, I I find it interesting how many of these little just generic. Uh, questions, surveys that people do that think they're fun. And they'll be like, what street did you grow up on? What was your first pet's name? What was your first car you got? A lot of times those are security questions for your bank account, if you oh. think through. I mean, how many times have you gotten locked out and they're like, hey, I need to do password research. And they'll say, what street were you, did you were you born on? What was your first car? What's your favorite food? Guess what? These are all things that people put into social media every day because they just think it's fun. Yeah. This is not fun. This is planted by bad people that are trying to get significant information about you to compromise your personal accounts. But it also told me which one of the Friends characters I was most like. Oh, sure. (laughs) Wow. So they throw a picture up there. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Absolutely. Now, and so we go back to the grandparents' scams. Yes. So they go backwards from social media. They find, happy birthday, Grandma Sue. Oh, Sue. Okay. And then they find her and call her. And then how does that play out? Sure. When they call her, and these people are so bold, sometimes they'll actually put a kid on the line. 
with an elderly person. Now, again, fear kicks in. So it doesn't automatically become apparent that does that sound like Jimmy? Does that sound like Susan? The the fear, the urgency, you know, a lot of times they're crying in the background. And so they'll come at it from one of two angles. Either A, they'll say that they're in another state. We literally had one this morning that called and said, hey, he's he called crying, saying that he was in a rental car in Nashville and got pulled over and arrested. And he needs me to bond him out. Please don't call my parents because I don't want them to know about it. Which is the first thing he should do is call the parents so that they can vet the claim and find out if there's any truth to it. But no, he just needs him to send some bond money. Or how are you supposed to do that? Uh, they need you to go buy four $500 green dot cards or any kind of loadable credit card that they can immediately move that money and sell that online. Uh, they can go to vendors. They can go to some non-reputable shops and sell these cards for pennies on the dollar. But again, they're getting clear cash. And if these cards get shut down, they still got away with some money. Wow. Yeah. So that happens a lot with older people? That happens a lot. Now, some people are becoming more wise to it. You know, they're not falling for it. But again, as as we put the information out there and educate the public, the bad guys are constantly modifying their story. They're coming up with different angles. Again, it started out a lot uh, that they would say they were in another country. But there's only so far you can push a lie before even the urgency goes, hold on, or the fear says backs, backs off a little bit because you're like, why would my grandchild be in Costa Rica? You know, that's that's really too far-fetched. Right. But to say Nashville, that's just stayed over. Is that a big deal? Mm-hmm. That, that's, you know, that's believable. Yeah. So they're they're toning it back some. And again, they're constantly adapting. I say all the time, scam artists didn't wake up this morning and decide to become a scam artist. This is what they do. This is their trade. And they're constantly working on their craft to get better at it. We're talking about fraud, and we're talking with Metro Police Sergeant Michael Warren. He's with the Criminal Investigation Division Fraud and Pawn Unit. Thank you again for joining us. And now, what are some of the other things that we want to definitely look out for? We've talked a little bit about social media scams. What about clicking links? People have been going crazy sending those stupid links through Facebook Messenger. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Or what about smishing? Have you heard of smishing? Smishing? Yeah. No. Okay, so we know what phishing is. Yes, that's when you that's when you get these emails that are trying to send you to false websites. Okay, okay, smishing it would be an SMS is it is the abbreviation for a text message, right? Oh, right. So now the bad guys have moved over to your text message, and now you're starting to get some random spam. I don't know if you've gotten them. I've gotten numerous, but you're starting to get some spam into your text message. Yep. Now, one of the reasons the bad guys have targeted this area is because what do you have on your email that you don't have on your cell phone? A spam filter. Oh, yeah. So remember, your spam filter is probably catching hundreds of emails a day. I mean, if you ever go over to that folder and you're like, I really have a thousand spam emails in here. Sure. You don't have that on your cell phone. You have no barrier between you and the bad guy to say this could be questionable. So next thing you know, you're clicking the link, you know, make a thousand dollars from home today. You're clicking the link and you're on a phishing website. I got three in one day, and sure. it was from different friends, friends, so-called, and and that's what it said. It said, here, check this out, things like that, and there was just a link. Sure. I thought, no way am I just, I don't care if it's my best friend, and, and she's valid, and she's actually literally sent me that link. That's not wise to send somebody a link and go, here, check this out, because yeah. that is just too risky. And if, if somebody sends you something that you... That you feel like you do need to explore further, say it's not, you know, get rich quick or something, then call them. 
because, again, you can't vet a text message. There's nothing that says, I mean, even if it's their phone, say their phone got taken. You know, they left it at Walmart or whatever. And so you have no way to know that the person on the other end of that phone right now is who they say they are. So you may just need to pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, I just got this text from you. It seemed a little odd. And they may be like, I didn't send it. Don't respond to it. Because a lot of times they're going to be put on alert because they're going to get hammered with calls or other text messages from them. At what point is it dangerous if you get a text message or a link? If you just click the link, have you already messed up? I'm not going to say you you haven't um, because you can install malicious software with the click of a link. They can literally grab control of your phone or your PC just by clicking a link. And what they can do is they can start an encryption software on your PC or phone, which will start encrypting your data, and they can basically hold it hostage and try to ransom you for you know for you to get your data back. Now imagine you're on your work network, and that spreads into the work network. Ima- explain to your boss why all the files at work are encrypted, and you guys can't open any of them. Wow. Yeah. So because click, you clicked a link. Because you clicked a link. It can be. I'm not trying to scare people, but well, there they're, they're, there is the potential for that. Yeah, uh, the clicking of a link can literally initiate software because that may not be clicking a link. That may be an executable file that starts an installation process that could be running in the background, and you have no idea what you've just initiated. So, if you are not expecting that link, you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Do not click it. Yeah, better safe than sorry. When we really started becoming more aware of how malware could be spread through clicking a link, our IT guy sent out an email and said, "Here's more information about." How to avoid malware? Click here. (laughs) Great. I was like, is this a joke? Are you testing me? The irony in that, right? Like, I'm not clicking that, man. (laughs) Wait, hold on. I know. (laughs) Exactly. So now our IT department will intentionally send out emails, and it's for educational purposes, and just to see if people will follow it. And a lot of times if you click it, it'll say, this is what we tell you not to do. Stop falling for this stuff. That's genius. Yes. They you know regularly send out things. A couple of years ago, they sent out a, a link saying, hey, uh, they're giving the police department free turkeys. Click here to claim. And it was like, stop clicking this stuff. It's not legit. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, and IT departments should be doing that because you can sit here and say this stuff to your blue in the face. But sometimes you do have to kind of put some checks out there to see if people are paying attention. If they're giving the education that you're trying to uh, give them, are they giving it time of day? Or are they just blowing you off and like, oh, it's not going to be me? Right. Because so, we do tend to feel that way. It's well, not me. Well, they do. Because, I mean, sometimes it's paralysis by analysis. You're just giving me so much information. Oh. It's like, what do I, you know? But sometimes a good test will, you know, when you fall for that once, you might be like, all right, I've got to be more careful. I'm going to try and figure out how to put together a page. Sure. Just do like a page, mm-hmm. like a blog page or something. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to send that link to my friends who keep sending me crap in my <laughs> right? messenger. And I'm going to send them and it, then they're going to click it. And I'm going to say, this is, you c- could have just installed malware by clicking this. Yep. Because they're not really getting it. I think they're just yep. not getting this it. This could have been your unemployment papers. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> right? Oh, my. Okay. Uh, what are other things that we want to look out for? Uh, 
Well, I'll tell you, a big one for Nashville, obviously Nashville's a destination city right now. I mean, we're booming. And a lot of people love to come come here for the season. Mm-hmm. A lot of snowbirds are trying to come down a little bit. They don't want to go all the way to Florida, so they stop into Nashville because we have it doesn't get terribly cold here. Right. Uh, so they're entertaining Airbnbs and you know long term rental properties. So a lot of the bad guys are preying on our city because they know that real estate is just in a and an extreme demand right now. And so what they do is they go online, they go on Airbnbs, they go on real tracks, they go on these legitimate websites, they see these ads, they duplicate them. They basically just clone the ad, they repost them on websites that don't vet. So any kind of classified ad website, such as a Craigslist or a Backpage, websites that don't vet, they just let anybody post whatever they want to. Oh, I see. They don't check things they out. Don't, they they don't validate them. what you're posting on there. So now I take this, you know, legitimate real tracks ad that I found. I duplicate it. I stick it over on one of these websites. I change the contact information over to a prepaid phone. And then when they contact me, I make them a sweetheart deal. What did I say about fear and urgency? Oh, there's your urgency. Right. Holy cow, an apartment in Nashville for $750 a month. Done. I don't even need to see it. Right. <laughs> well, that's what they're hoping. And so people are turning around. And they're like, yep, just Western Union, $750 or just put it on a prepaid card, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All this information. The problem is we have to wear the black eye when when the people get here and they find out they don't have a property because it looks like Nashville is allowing this stuff to go on. The problem is these people can do this from anywhere in the world. Yeah. I was literally in Uganda in July. The first mall I walked into well, actually, the only mall that I saw there, <laughs> I walked in the first the first business on the left, Western Union and MoneyGram right there in the window. So when people tell me, I oh, Western Union, can't you go find them? I was like, it literally could be in the middle of Africa because I've seen it there. Right. Right. <laughs> so you don't know where your money's going to truly. And they can do that to 100 people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. And all it takes is. You know, being able to copy and paste a little website and put some information out there. We had one recently where the person did a little bit of research. I would suspect by contacting the vendor, they had the passcode to be able to go into the apartment to look around at it. You want to talk about adding legitimacy to the property? Well, yeah, I thought for sure I could rent it. I could. I had the passcode to go in and look. Is that that hard to get? So how do you check out something like that? You have to stay with reputable vendors. I'm I'm not doing any kind of real estate with someone I can't talk to in person. I'm not doing it. I get it. They may say they're deployed, and I respect those people who are. But if you're deployed, I'm just I can't do business with you. Oh, that's the excuse. That's one of them. You know, I'm deployed, so I can't be back there to see you. Or I have an emergency. I'm having to leave the country. They always have a reason why they can't see you in person. At the end of the day, it's not. It's just an excuse because I'm really not there, and I'm not coming there to be apprehended. (laughs) So. That's that's the reality of it. You just send me your money. Absolutely. We'll deal with this later. I, we're going to do a contract, and it's going to be in person because I'm going to know who I'm doing business with. Yeah. What are we looking out for? Again, anybody that, that can't give me some kind of business card or something, you ought to be skeptical. Anybody that just walks up, knocks on your door, offering to do work. Period. Because a lot of reputable companies don't need to do that to right. find business. Um, so if they're coming up and they're wanting to resurface your driveway or put a new roof on your house or just check it then they need to be very skeptical of that. A, I want to know who you're working with. I want a phone number. I'm going to call that phone number before I agree to anything to see who answers it. Do they answer it by announcing what business they are, or do they just say hello? Hello is normally a personal line. If this is ABC Construction, I should hear an assistant saying, ABC Construction, can I help you? If I don't get that, that's a red flag to me. 
And uh, so it just requires a little bit of you know work on your part to make sure the person you're giving your money to is is legit. The other side is don't be paying these people up front. You know, make sure the work is done. Right. I can't tell you how many times I deal with people that make reports that say, "Hey, you know, I hired them to come and put in a floor for my house, and I paid them, and they never showed back up. Why did you pay somebody without the work being done? You know, if they say it's for materials, then I need to question." what kind of business they run. If they can't front their own materials, then I don't know how reputable they are. I think the reason people fall for this is because they've not done it before and they don't know how it works. Yeah. Well, on the other side, they like again, they love to target elderly on these types of things. Mm. They'll get on the roof and just hammer on the roof a little bit and say, yep, we fixed your problem, and they'll write them a check. Oh. Yeah. And so, or the driveways, they're really notorious for saying, we're going to resell your driveways, and they come out and they roll oil on your driveway, which gives the impression they've done something, but they really did nothing. They just rolled some oil on there. Right. So Charge them a few hundred dollars or absolutely. more. Well, Anything else that we want to make sure that we get out to the public? Like, if you could just go, I checks, wish everybody knew be, this. Be very careful with checks. Here, here's my biggest one. If I can tell anybody to stop tomorrow doing this, that red flag on your mailbox at the end of your driveway, walk out there when you get home from work and rip it off your mailbox. I'm telling you, if you're still mailing your mail by raising that flag, you're making a mistake. What do you put in a mailbox to, to mail? Bills. Bills. How do you pay those? Checks. Checks. What all's on checks? My about name and about everything. 13 points of identification, right? Your account number, your routing number for your bank, the sequence where you're in your check. Okay, so let me go over a quick scam real quick. We have... Groups that come to town and they target your neighborhood just after you leave for work. And all they look for is red flags. Because guess what? It's payday to them. They're going to come around. They're going to pull those because 99% of those is a bill that contains a check. They're going to go back to a hotel. They're going to recruit a mule. A mule is just someone who's cooperating and doesn't know. And they're going to recruit them. And they're going to fabricate checks. They really don't even care about that check. They just want all the information off of that check. And they're going to fabricate checks. And they're going to have this mule running around Davidson mm-hmm. County and passing checks against your account until someone finally catches it and shuts it down. They, we call it Operation Homeless for the fact that a lot of times they like to recu- recruit people uh, in that area because they know that they're they're down on their luck. And, the, you know, they offer them 100 bucks and like, sure, I guess it's OK. And so they, they tend to go out and recruit homeless people to pass these checks. So at the end of the day, when we go to the bank or this business where they pass a check and we pull the video, we see video of a homeless person. That is just evil. It is. It is. But how did it start? Because our stupidity. Because you put a check in that mailbox and raised the flag. Hello, there's money here. Yes, you're begging the bad guys to compromise your checking account. You're like, please take what little I have. You're (laughs) You're begging them. You're begging them. Please do not use the flag on your mailbox. Is there anything else that we're doing that's just like a big red uh, a hello, come take my money thing for Chris. Well, um, be careful about one of one of the biggest ways for your card to be compromised is obviously when you hand that card over physically to someone mm-hmm. and they leave your line of sight. Guess what? It's it's going to happen. I'm going to go out to eat probably tonight and I'm going to hand it to a server and I'm putting a lot of trust in them that you're not doing anything with that card that yeah. I don't want you to. That's just the nature of it right now, right? Right. If you can pay in cash, that's ideal, but that's just not realistic. So when you do that, don't give these servers information about you I'll, I'll give you an instance that happened to me two years ago i was vacationing in san antonio and while we were there had a very polite server i mean she was just overly polite probably where are you guys from nashville tennessee oh what if i just told the bad guy yeah. out of town oh yeah so are they going to come back here even if i do mess with them probably not probably not so now are they going to extradite me up to nashville 
important how severe it is. If it's a couple hundred bucks, probably not. So we get back about two weeks later from returning from our, our vacation. I get a, I check my credit card statement. I have a $1,300 credit card, two purchases made at Green Hills Mall. I call my wife just to double check. Is this you? It's not me. So I just do some checking and call out there. And they're like, yeah, it was a phone order and it was shipped to San Antonio. I'm like, of course it was. But I gave the person ammunition. I let them know where I'm from. So look where she did the purchase from. So it didn't raise any red flags. Exactly. If she does it in San Antonio, my credit card company may say, hold on. Why is he doing purchases in San Antonio? Especially if you do it in L.A., if you sell the cards. They want to hit the target area kind of where I'm from so it doesn't immediately pop so they, they can get as much out of that card as possible. Yeah, yeah. So if you are, you know, out of town a little bit, don't tell your servers where they're where you're from. And that's the first thing they ask. Yeah. Where are you I mean, from? They, well, you know, we think it's just good customer service. They're just being nice and courteous. Right. At the end of the day, they could be just get, gathering information about you. The other thing is there's a little three-digit code on the back of your card. Mm-hmm. If you can store that somewhere else and mark that out, then do that. That number is not embossed on your card. That number is just written on your card. A lot of online transactions will require that they have the CVV code. So I keep that stored on my phone, which is secured by password. And so if I ever do something online, I have to open up my phone and look to see what that code is. But guess what a server doesn't have? A server, if they want to write down the information, they can't flip it over and see what my CVV is because it's been marked through multiple times so that you can't see what that is. Any information you can keep them from and make it just a little bit harder, they'll just go for the next guy. Did you figure that thing out about the CVV code after you got scammed? I did, unfortunately. Uh, me and my wife were at a conference in in Washington, D.C., and we were at a restaurant, and I just did not feel comfortable. It was our first night there, and I was like, I do not want to hand this card over to the server. I just don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable. And I looked at it, and I was like, there needs to be something I can do here. And so I just started looking at my card, and I flipped it over, and, and it dawned on me that wasn't embossed. And I was like, and I just asked her for a pen, and I started scribbling off of it. She's like, well, what are you going to do? I was like, I stored it on my phone. It's like, it's fine. I'll have it for later. She goes, okay. And she's like, have you told him about that? I was like, I need to. Yes. That's what I do for a living, right? <laughs> so I do I do share that with people as much as I can now. But there's no reason that you keep that on there if you can store it somewhere else. Uh, and we can. Absolutely. And one more thing about credit cards. You know, my wallet has two cards in it. I have a debit card and a credit card in mm-hmm. there. Obviously, my debit card's direct contact with my bank account. I do not use that anywhere other than my bank's ATM. That's not coming out of my wallet unless it's just the credit card will not work. Why? Well, there's a lot more protection with a credit card. Your debit card, if it gets compromised tomorrow, then you've got to fight with the bank and say, hey, will you please put my $2,000 back? That wasn't me. And they're like, well, we're going to have to investigate it, and this could take 60 days. I hope you don't have any checks out there that this is going to cause bounce. You see what I'm saying? It can really put you in limbo. Right. So I I highly recommend using a credit card because now if your card gets compromised, you're already arguing with a credit card company about a bill you're going to pay. And this isn't going to jeopardize outstanding checks and bills that are going to be directly paid and that may, you know, put your uh, overdraw your account. It didn't just suck $2,000 out of your active budget. Absolutely. You you sucked it out of Chase's account and we'll let Chase hold that $2,000 while they figure it out. I'm not going to hold that $2,000 or $10,000 or $15,000. It really can get that high. And again, with your debit card, the the window for you being responsible for some of these charges is within a week, you can become responsible for up to $500. You, You only have a certain window. Anything over 60 days on a debit card, 
they can just tell you that you reported it too late. And sometimes we don't notice things like that. We don't Absolutely. pay enough attention. 80% of the public doesn't open a credit card state or doesn't open their bank statement because they're tracking it constantly on their phone. They're like, why do I need to look at that? I already know I'm looking at it every day. Well, that's fine. But what happens when you miss that one transaction? You know, that $1,300 when I went to San Antonio, I didn't catch that immediately. And I have alerts on all my accounts that every time you buy a piece of gum, my phone chirps at me. But I didn't see that one until I went to pay my statement. I was like, whoa, where did this $1,300 come from? Yeah. On a credit card, you have up to 60 days where you're not going to be responsible for anything. So credit card rather than debit card. Yes. I get, you know, I've been through Dave Ramsey's financial piece and he hates credit cards. I get that. I get it can cause, you know, negative trends in spending, et cetera. But the confidence and the security it provides me, I pay mine off month to month. So I treat it just like it is cash. But I get a lot more security and a bigger blanket by that credit card than I do from my bank's debit card. Uh, we are talking with Metro Police Sergeant Michael Warren about fraud. Is there anything else that I've neglected to ask that you think is important to add? I'll just go back to what my grandmother told me growing up. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. A lot of these scam artists, again, they're preying on urgency or fear, and a lot of greed plays into that. When the offer comes and you're like, man, that's that's great, or Publishers Clearinghouse calls you and you've won, you might want to do some vetting, especially why are they asking you to pay money on the front end? I, as I told them, I was like, if they call me and say, tell me I've won Publishers Clearinghouse, I need to pay the taxes. I'm like, take it out of my winning. Send me the rest. <laughs> you know, yes. I'm not paying anything up front. Yeah. But a lot of these things that are asking you to send money on wire money, you just need to be skeptical of that because it's probably not legitimate. Yeah. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Stay safe. We're going to post this information on our Focus Facebook page, and we'll post some links for you as well. You got a website or someplace they can go if they have questions or want to read more about? Sure. Uh, obviously, police.nashville.gov is the website. And then if you have any questions, you can call the fraud unit. We are at 615-862-7594. Uh, either me, one of my detectives, or my assistant. If you think that it's a scam, call us. It doesn't always require a police report. Sometimes you just m- may want to, you know, run it by us and say, "Hey, do you guys think that th- there's any merit to this?" Uh, occasionally, somebody will run something by us that we're like, "Hadn't even heard of that yet," and so we can do some, you know, research on it and start educating the public. We constantly go out to community meetings. I'm always trying to put the information. The best way to counter and combat fraud is with education. Because so many of these perpetrators are not here. And so I would much rather read a report where they go, yeah, you tried calling me and it's not legit. And I knew it because I saw it on TV or I saw it on your website. Them saying, hey, we'll try to get your $2,000 back, but I don't know. Great final words. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Make sure you go to our Focus page on Facebook where you can hear podcasts of the programs that we air on Sunday mornings. You can get some links for more information about the things that you've heard about. And you can, of course, submit ideas for future programs. Thank you so much for joining us. And make sure you join us again next week for Focus.